0: It's good to be with you. Uh, If you have a Bible, would you join with me in opening up to Ephesians chapter 3? I'll give you a few minutes to open up to that text. It is uh, really wonderful to be here this morning. And um, as you can see, we've got like an inflatable pool set up over here. And that's because we will um, have some baptisms at the end of the service. And if you haven't been here for one of our baptism services, a few times a year we end our service by uh, some people who um, want to be baptized, and we'll talk more about what that looks like later, but uh, it, it'll be a wonderful end to our service this morning, and I look forward to that. Um, uh, okay, uh, we are, uh, if you're just joining us and you're new to the church, welcome. We, I really mean that. I, I really do hope that you'd feel welcome when you arrive on Sunday mornings and that, uh, that you would encounter in us the hospitality that God has shown us. We are studying and have been studying the Holy Spirit and his role in our life. And we started that at Pentecost, which was a celebration of when God gives the gift of his spirit to his people. And then we've walked into a few weeks where we wanted to talk about the Holy Spirit and, and what he does. And so we said, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And what does it mean to be filled? And so we did a week on that, and then we moved past that into a week on what does it mean to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? And we sort of wrestled a little bit with um, some Pentecostal theology, and, and, and we unpacked some scripture in Corinthians. And then we, uh, we looked at what does it mean to be sealed uh, with the Spirit last week. Um, and I get to finish our series on the Holy Spirit this morning by talking about being empowered by the Spirit. I, I lay out the sermons that we'll be preaching on about a year in advance. And so last summer, I was really thinking about this and uh, and thinking of our need as a church to really spend time meditating on, on the Holy Spirit. And I, uh, I, I, I searched the scriptures for texts that mention the Holy Spirit. And the text we're going to be in this morning um, is a prayer. And this morning, we're just... We're really just going to like we're going to hear and understand this prayer. We're going to pray this prayer. We're going to hopefully mean this prayer um, because this prayer, I think, is just filled with insight and a wisdom about what you need and what I need in order to grow as a Christian. Most disciplines that you set out to, to, to uh, set out towards, right? Most skills that you take on, uh, you want to, you know, play a sport or you want to get good at your job or a new hobby, require a sort of willpower, a sort of self-focus uh, where, where you need to sort of find within yourself the ability to do something, commit yourself to new habits and rhythms and disciplines. And, um, and, and in the same way, to be a Christian, we sometimes think that we have an understanding of what we need to live the Christian life? What do you think you need to live the Christian life? Is it, are you surrounded by good friends? Like, I can live the Christian life if I'm surrounded by people who also are living the Christian life. Certainly, that's helpful. A certain amount of financial security. Or if I get to this point where I have this much capital and resources, then I'll be able to live faithfully as a Christian. I just have to make sure that my nest egg is protected so that if I, you know, if I face consequences, I'll be okay. Safety. I can live the Christian life so long as I'm safe. Comfort. Comfort is common today in the church. I can live, I can live the Christian life and grow as a Christian, so long as I'm just kept comfortable enough. Because if I'm uncomfortable, then like I can't, I can't pray if I'm uncomfortable. Um, I can't like pray if I haven't had a good meal in my belly. Like I gotta like be comfortable, and then I can, and then I can grow. In Ephesians chapter three, um, Paul is praying for the church in Ephesus. And what he prays for is uh, different than what I think we often pray for. And so my my goal this morning is, again, that we would just look at this text and um, that God would transform us by by praying this prayer and being in this prayer. So that's my aim this morning, and I I hope that our time together blesses you. Um, Let let me me just pray before I dive into this text. Uh, Father, um, as we open your word together... Help us to see it with great clarity, um, and we long for nothing more than to be transformed by you um, so that we might live for your glory. And uh, God, I, I pray that you would give us eyes to see and that your spirit would fill this room and change us. Um, that you, would, you would take those of us who are dead and you would make us alive. And you would take those of us who are uh, weak, and you would make us strong in you. We pray for your power this morning in this, uh, in this text. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay. Um, Paul is in prison when he writes a letter to the church in Ephesus, and they are discouraged in their faith. They are, they are, they're, they're feeling the weight of. Uh, of of, of difficulty in relating to people in the church who, who aren't like them. Um, they're looking at their hero, Paul, who is in prison, and they're, not, they're like, I didn't sign up for that, wherever this is going. Uh, prison's not what I had in mind when I became a Christian. If I knew that prison was involved, I might have chosen something else. Um, so they're discouraged, and into that Paul writes this this letter, and and ultimately I want you to see what he prays for them. This is Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. Paul says, uh, because he's worried about them losing heart, and he says, uh, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Um, Do you pray like that? I don't. Like, that's the first thing I was struck by when I was reading this text over the last couple of weeks is, like, I was like, that's not what my prayers sound like. Um, my prayers are a lot of, like, uh, they are, like, God, I confess this, and, God, you're holy, and, God, I, I thank you for um, th- this food and my family, and I thank you for the opportunities. There are a lot of that, but, like, but I'm reading this, and I'm, I'm kind of wrestling with, like, do, do, do you, do I, do we pray like this? Like, when was the last time you prayed like this? Paul is in prison, and, and this is what he has for them. He wants to know, this is how I'm praying for you. You're discouraged in your Christian faith, so let me be real clear about what I'm asking for, because it's what you need. And so my goal this morning is that we would understand this prayer and uh, and then to pray this prayer. So let me uh, begin by... Um, my. I don't really have an outline this morning except for the the text. So as we work through the text, it'll be clear where we're at. So um, starting in verse 14, for this reason, Paul says, I take on the posture of prayer. What does he do? He, He bows down, he says. He bows his knees before the Father. In Jewish culture, most of the prayers are standing. If you read your Bible, most of the times that people are praying are standing. In Mark eleven twenty-five, 25, when Jesus teaches, um, he teaches about when you're standing in prayer, he gives some instruction. In, in Luke 18, the very famous story of the Pharisee and the tax collector says that the, the Pharisee was standing to pray. And as he was standing to pray, he was thinking about how much better he was than everyone else. Most of the time in the Bible, the posture of praying to God is standing. But there are other times in Scripture where where people find themselves on their knees. Like in Ezra chapter 9, where Ezra has just a great reverence for God that he just can't help but lower himself to his knees. Or, Or we think of Jesus in Luke 22 in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he is kneeling in the garden. Paul opens by saying, I'm I'm praying for you, but you need to understand that the prayer that I'm praying for you, it's not just like, I'm not just, it's not just another prayer. I'm overwhelmed. I'm brought to my knees in prayer for you. Paul is pleading with God for the church in Ephesus. He's pleading with God for them. Like, they get this letter and they find out there's a guy in prison who's on his knees Pleading with God for them. You all, I'm sure, have friends and acquaintances and family members. And um, imagine that you had a friend in your life who uh, maybe they're a bit quirky, uh, maybe they had like strange uh, food preferences, maybe they made uh, they didn't. They made jokes at strange times that nobody laughed at. Maybe they were a bit socially awkward, and and maybe you had a friend that was like kind of a strange friend. But but here's what you knew about that friend. You just knew this. You knew that that friend knew God, and that that friend, when you weren't together, that that friend would be on his or her knees pleading with God for you begging God on your behalf. I grant that if you have a friend like that you have got an amazing friend. And so I would implore you to be that kind of friend. right? To be the kind of friend who when you think of your friends you're just you're, you know God and so you're pleading with God for your friends. Paul knows God and he's Bowing, he's on his knees, he's carrying the weight of this moment, and he's bowing before the Father. I bow my knees, and then he says, Before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. He says, I'm, I'm on my knees pleading with God in prison for you to our Father. And, then, and who is our Father? He's the one from whom every family in heaven on earth is named. And that, that term, to be named, is not just the term of like he gives things their name. It's, it's a term of, um, of, of the one who brought us into existence. The one who is over us. You are only here right now because God allows you to be. Like, I I just, it's amazing to me that it feels like every year in American culture, somehow we we give people the impression that they're the main character. Like, I'll be somewhere. And I'll just be walking like in, in a store, and then there'll be like some some young person who's like dancing on the internet as though the store was created and built as their own personal stage. Like we 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 somehow have convinced everyone that we're so important. We're not that important. You're not that important. God is the immortal one. And and your heart beats like a hundred thousand times every day. And if it stops beating, that's it for you. But he keeps it beating. He's over us, he's he's our father. He's created everyone. And he put you here. You're here this morning because he allows you to be and because he wants you to be. And he sustains you in this moment. Have, do you ever just stop throughout the day and just check your pulse and hear your breath and just go, I'm alive. I'm al- God is allowing me to be alive. For what purpose? So, so Paul says, I'm, I'm pleading on my knees before God, who he is he's the reason I exist and you exist and we exist and we continue to exist. That, that's who he is. And then look what he prays. He prays that according... To the riches of his glory. God has immense riches. Have you ever, um, have you ever like been around someone who's just like stupid wealthy? Like I, I really enjoy it when I leave and someone says, Hey, that person you were just talking to, they have like, an enormous amount of money. And I think to myself, I'm so glad I didn't know that when I was talking to them. Because even though we desire not to show favoritism, uh, the reality is when you're sitting with someone who just like you know, you just know that they could just write a check and change your whole life and they could just fund any ministry initiative and they could just, whatever they want, you just know they could do that and you're kind of, it's, it's a weird thing. And it wouldn't even inconvenience them at all. Occasionally, I get the privilege of being able to be around people like that. And you're like, it just feels so weird when someone has that many resources. And look what Paul is like praying to God. And his, his, his first picture of, part God, of God as the creator of everything is he's just like, God has infinite riches. He's like, there's everything. We just talked about this, right? The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Everything belongs to him he owns everything and so paul is coming before god and and he's god he's on his knees pleading God, I'm praying for the church in Ephesus. I'm praying for them. That that, that you who created everyone, you're the reason we exist. Every breath we take is a gift from you to continue to exist. And you have access to all of the riches, all of the glory. You have all of that endless riches. Think about what God is capable of doing. Think about what God can do if God wants to. And then, with that said, look at what Paul asks for. He says, like, I know how rich you are, so here's what I'm begging you for. Verse 16b, that he may grant you, he could ask for anything. What's he praying for the church in Ephesus? That he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. That's what he asks for. He, he says, God, strengthen them with power through your spirit in their inner being. I, we should pray like this. Like we we pray wonderful prayers, Lord uh, bless that person. Um, uh, help them to have a wonderful day today. Uh, keep them from being stressed. Um, I pray that you would keep give, keep them safe. Help them return home. Um, uh, God, I pray you give us a great work today. Day, today and just help me to experience your joy. These are all great prayers. Please don't hear me saying they're not great prayers. But like but like look at what Paul's praying for. He, he he's praying that they would understand and have what God has given them. There was like a time in the Old Testament, and you guys forget this, and and, um, maybe we all forget this, so let me remind us. There was a time when the notion of God putting his spirit inside of people didn't make any sense. Like God said, there's coming a day when I will take the hearts, the hard hearts of people, and I will turn them from stone into flesh, and I will put my spirit in them. And the people must have been like, dude, there's no way you can do that. Like, we know you and your immense power. We know you and we know what you've made. We know the holy of holies. We get all of that. There's no way you can put the fullness of yourself inside of someone. That you put your spirit in them. And yet God said, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I am going to put my spirit inside of them. And when my spirit is inside of them... They won't need willpower to obey me. They will want to obey me. Don't miss this. God God says in Ezekiel, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I'll put within you, and I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You get my spirit, and you're going to want to follow me. When I was a kid, there was this, um, this sort of notion that the way you get kids to be Christian is you just like put them in enough VBSs and camps, right? You just read them enough stories, give them enough programs. We, we do this today, not just with kids, but with adults. Get into a community group. That's a great thing. Show up to serve days. That's a great thing. Help serve the church. That's a fantastic thing. Show up to our men's and breakfasts and our women's breakfasts. These are all wonderful things, but sometimes we can can begin to live as though the key is just get people into the right programs, and if they're in the right programs, everything will be okay. But, But notice that that's not what Paul does. He's not saying, what you guys need, I'm pleading with God that they would have another program. No. What, what they need more than anything is not just, they don't need programs that just systematize behaviors. What, what they need is a God who has reshaped their desires. We say in our home, like, um, I say with my kids all the time, like, this I think they make get tired of me saying, I say, like, I don't want to be the obstacle to your desires. It's like a line we use. And parents, let me just say, you don't want to be. You do not want to be the obstacles to your kids' desires. Now, just to be real clear, when your kids are little, they're going to have some crazy desires. And you're going to have to be the obstacle. You've got to be. You're a parent. That's your job. But but as they grow older, your job as a parent, your hope and your prayer is that you you would not have to be the obstacle to your kids' desires because they will want the right things. If they want the right things, parenting gets a lot easier. Amen? Some parents know what I'm talking about. And some of you who aren't parents... You just know this. You know that what your parents did to you or your church did to you is they just—they were constantly saying, no, you can't do this. No, you can't do that. No, don't do that. They just constantly pushed against you. So you just kind of got to the place where you're like, I just can't wait to get this church Christianity thing off of me so that I can go fulfill the desires that I have. Paul prays this prayer because he understands what you and I need to understand is that what we need more than anything is for God to change our hearts so that we desire the right things. And the only way to get your kids or yourself or your friends or those in your community group or those in your church or those in your... The only way to get people to desire the right things is by pleading with God in prayer. You need God's spirit in your inner being. And for Paul, he loves this inner being. It's the, the seed of consciousness. It's your moral being. It's your deepest part of yourself. Like we need God in the deepest part of ourselves, strengthening us, shaping and changing our desires. Because we have this inner person and this outer person, and the outer person is wasting away. And some of you are getting old, you know that. And here's what's crazy, and you guys know this. The older you get, the weaker the outer person becomes and the more clear the inner person becomes. You ever be around some old people? You're like, wow, you are crotchety. (laughs) You're like, oh, you've always been like that, but you're losing the strength and ability to cover it up. You know what I'm talking about? And then I know some other people who it's like, the older they get, I'm like, wow, you're a saint. Like just the older they get, And the weaker they get physically, the more that you just see their, like, loves and their passions and their desires bubble forth. Like, you can't hide it forever. So Paul's prayer is that in the inner being, we would be strengthened with power through his spirit. Why? So that Christ may dwell in your heart Through faith. Now, if you're in Ephesus and you're hearing this, you're like, this guy Paul is praying that Christ would dwell in our hearts. Hold on a second. He already does dwell in my heart. I'm a Christian. Why are you praying this, Paul? Well, the key is that word dwell. That word dwell means to reside, to take up residence in. You all are a very hospitable church, and um, and I know that that means that you probably invite people over into the spaces you live. Now I would guarantee that almost every single one of you, when you have a guest come over to your house, is aware before that guest steps foot into your door that there are some places in your place that you do not want them to go. Amen. Yeah, you're like, hey, come on in, come this way. You know what I mean? You're like, hey, where's the bathroom? There's the bathroom. Do so you have more than one bathroom? Well, we have one bathroom today. So that's where it is, right? You sort of steer people, right? That, that's, that's, that's sort of normal because what you're saying is like you're a guest, and I want to show you the best part of myself. So our house will like come in through our place and, and like here's what I'll show you. Paul is praying that Christ would not be a guest in your life, but he would take up permanent residence. And do you, do you see the difference? That means that Christ dwells in you and gets to say to you, "I want, I want that part." No, 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 Jesus. Uh, here's here's our deal. You come in, you save me, and you get my Sunday mornings for three hours. That time is yours, and the rest of the time is mine. You get my ten percent as I give an offering. You um you get my serving hands when I'm feeling like serving. Um, Jesus, lead me when I feel like being led. And what he says, Paul's praying, is that God would, Christ would take up residence in their lives. It's Christ, make your home in your people so much that there's no part of their hearts that they wall off and attempt to keep you out of. Oh, How sad would it be to go through life keeping parts of ourselves and saying to God, no, you don't get to look at that part. You don't get to speak into that part. So what's Paul praying? That Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith, that you would have repeated faith. God, I don't trust you with my sexuality, but I'm going to. I don't trust you with my finances, but I'm going to. I don't trust you with my job choices but I'm I'm going to because I want you to I want you to live in my inner being like it's all yours. And so by faith you can have it all. That you being rooted and grounded in love. It's amazing cuz the imagery of roots appears multiple times throughout scripture. Jesus speaks specifically to a kind of rooted people. You might know this this famous parable where a sower has got seed and he's scattering it out onto the pathway. And some people, he says, they hear the word of God, right? They, They hear scripture. And when they hear it, they go, yes, they receive it with joy. But when trouble comes, Or when persecution comes, when difficulty comes, they fall away. And and Jesus says that those people are like seed that falls on rocky ground, and their problem is they have no roots. So what's Paul praying for? That they'd be rooted and grounded in love. Our prayer, my hope for you is that when things get difficult, you will survive. Because you're rooted in Him. Some people think Christian faith is like a fad. I don't I don't know how it can be a fad. I I can't speak to like my own personal psychology, but I can't imagine walking away from Christ because, like, he's everything I have. Like, he's all I have. Like, my whole, I, every year we get to, like, 1 Corinthians 15 sometimes and Easter sermon, and Paul's just like, Dude, if, if Christ isn't raised, then we're dead in our sins. And, 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 he's, and he says, like, and I'm lying to you. And I'm like, if, I, if Christ, Christ is all I have, if Christ is not raised, then I've spent the majority of my life just lying to people in public. Like, he's all I have. And it's not because of what I've done, it's because of what he has done. It's not because of me. It's because of him. So Paul says, I I want you to be rooted so that when you step into the world and things get difficult and the wind comes and the waves come and persecution comes and suffering comes and difficulty comes and Paul's like, I'm in prison that you are able to. To survive, being rooted and grounded in love. Verse 18. That you would know, you'd have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. He wants them to comprehend together with all the saints. That God would give them strength so that they might see how big God is. You, God, have all the riches, you own everything. You've put your spirit in them. Give them not just a nice life. Give them not just nice experiences. Give them not just nice vacations to take in the summer. Give them not those things. He says, give them strength to comprehend the size and the magnitude of you. That's what we need. We need a vision of God that's so big that Paul says in verse 19, He's praying that they would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. I pray they would know what they can't know. Do you catch that? What's he talking about? I want you to know what you can't know. He wants them to know the unknowable. And he doesn't want them to know, like, how much they should love Christ. He doesn't want them to know how how they can love God more. No, he wants them to know how much God loves them. That's what you need. More than anything, you need to know how much God loves you in a way that surpasses knowledge. Do you see why he's praying for this? Because I can't preach you into the kingdom. You can't educate your kids into the kingdom of God. You can't listen to enough podcasts and lectures and read enough books to just be made into a Christian. All those things are beautiful and wonderful and help, but that's not what makes you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is that you have to experience the transformative power of God in your life. And if you don't get this, you're likely to just be going from church service to church service to church service Going through the right steps, but with a heart that's still hard as rock. The only way to get this kind of heart that knows and experiences experiences God in a way that says, like, you can't just intellectually know this. Like, I know this in my being. Is that you have to pray for it. You have to pray for it. That's all you can do. You have to beg God for it. God, help me understand how to desire taking up my cross. I want to experience your love so much. It's breadth, it's width, it's magnitude. So that I just, I want to take up my cross and follow you. Not that it's always easy. Not that that I'm not tempted or I don't struggle. But I want my desires to be the things that you want. And so I need your Holy Spirit. He closes by saying that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. When people describe you, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, your roommates, do, do they say, he, he is filled with all the fullness of God. Sh- she is. I I, I don't know what to say. She's filled with all the fullness of God. Look, I don't know what your life is about or what you want it to be about or what you think it's about. I don't know what you want to accomplish in this life. You're given a short period of time, a certain number of years to get some things done. I I don't know what you want to, to be about. Because you could be known for a lot of things. Each of you in this room could be known for a ton of things. You could be known for your work. You could be known for your generosity. You could be known for your role in your family. You could be known for your fame. But what we should pray for is that we would be known for being filled with all the fullness of God. I don't want people to say, man, Trevor gave good sermons, or, he was a nice leader. He was a good good dad. That's all wonderful. But my hope and my prayer is that what people would say about me is like, man, when I met when I met Trevor, I, I felt like I was meeting someone who was filled with the fullness of God. We want joy in difficulty. We want peace when it makes no sense. As a church, our goal is not to fill seats. Our goal is to become a people who cry out to God God, we need you more than anything, and we want to be filled with the fullness of God. Filled with the fullness of God. Early Christians endured a lot of suffering because they knew the love of God its breadth, its length, its height, and its depth. And our desire and our goal we've got kids in the room this morning is to raise up the next generation who have a kind of fire in them because they know how much God loves them. Because if they have that, we won't have to worry about them in the same way we do. If you get that, you get that, and you don't have to worry about your future nearly as much as you do. So let me close and just say, search yourself this morning. What are the goals of your life? What are our goals? Is it to be a church with a nice building? To have a good kids program? To have great music? Or is it to be a church that is filled with the fullness of God? That God fills us up and makes us like him. To be the kind of church where no one can deny that something has happened to us. Because some of you are going through the motions. Like some of you just know how to go through the motions. And I can't talk you into this. I can't. Like I can't do that. I can't talk you into this. I can only pray that God does this in your life. And that he's working now in this space. Um, I'm going to close, but I'm going to give us an opportunity. I wrestled with this this week, but I'm going to do this. Um, there's like no judgment. You can do it later, but I want to invite those of you. We rarely do things like this. I want to invite you this morning as we close in prayer. For those of you who want to, I want to invite you to pray on your knees. Some of you can't do that for physical reasons. Some of you um, will do it later. Th- this is, the goal of this is not to be like, oh, let's look around and see who like, the real Christian people are. That's not the goal at all. Um, I, just, I feel like when we're, we're, we're reading this prayer, I just feel like it's occasionally we should take on this posture. And so you don't have to, but I want to invite you this morning as we close in prayer to just on your knees um, join me in crying out to God uh, for, for in this prayer. So, um, so we're going to pray, and then we'll take communion together. Um, But if this speaks to where you're at, then uh, join me on uh, your knees. Father, you are... The creator of everything, and you hold everything together. That breath that I just took was a gift from you. And this next one I'm taking is another gift. And you created everyone in this room, you gifted everyone in this room, you made them for a purpose. And you are infinitely rich. And so we're asking you, we're begging you. With your riches. With your power. That you would strengthen us with power. Through your spirit in our inner being. In the deepest closed off parts of ourselves so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. That we would be rooted and grounded in love. That we would have the strength to comprehend together as a church family what is the breadth And length and height and depth. And we would know the love that surpasses knowledge. That we would be filled with the fullness of God. What we need most, we can't make. We can only receive. And so we beg you that you would send your spirit to fill us. Now to you who are able to do more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to you be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever Ever. Amen.